Hi, I'm Lisa. Welcome to Pillontology, the pod about the wild and wonderful worlds of prescription pill medication. Every epi, I'll feature a pill and talk to a friend, or maybe not a friend, about their experience on that pill. Also a disclaimer, I'm not a doctor or a pharmacist, although sometimes I like to pretend that I am. Hope you enjoy. Today I'm featuring a little gem of an antidepressant called Welbutrin. It's the 23rd most commonly prescribed medication in the U.S. Celebrities love it. Jemima Kirk, Dasha Nyakrasova, minor celeb. A lot of people are butin. And today on the pod, I have a friend, Lias, Lisa, and she will tell us about her experience being prescribed Welbutrin for ADHD. Uh, Welbutrin is not usually prescribed for ADHD. It's an atypical antidepressant. It's a norepinephrine dopamine reuptake inhibitor, an NDRI. And both, both of those neurotransmitters are very energizing. They make you want to go, go, go. Uh, and so they're not usually given to people with debilitating anxiety. So Welbutrin, unlike other anti-Ds, does not act on serotonin, the calming neurotransmitter. It's usually prescribed for depression, seasonal affective disorder, SADS, and smoking cessation. It's also, as I said, used off-label for treatment for ADHD. So, Lias, will you tell us a little bit about when you first got diagnosed? Howdy. Uh, I first got diagnosed as ADHD in sixth grade when I was 11, and uh, before that I had been tested in elementary school for special ed and gifted and talented at the same time, so they knew that there was something. Something was Something was not right. And my mom was a first grade teacher for a long time, so she'd been, like, documenting, like, all this, like, weird shit. <laughs> like, what kinds of weird behaviors did you have? Um, I would, like, tunnel into stuff for hours and hours and hours. Like, I would read for, like, seven hours at a time. I would just, like, disappear all day and, like, just one track stuff. And then other times, like, I couldn't finish sentences, I couldn't do homework, and... I'm also dyslexic, so it would end in me, like, full sobbing, like, trying to do, like, basic stuff that everybody else could do. Mm -hmm. So I was just all over the place, attention-wise, mood-wise, and ADHD was the diagnosis. Cool. And do you remember who diagnosed you? What psychiatrist? I think at the time, because ADHD was still something that they were trying to parse out, it's like, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, and so it was just my pediatrician. Like, I think my mom just went into the pediatrician and was like, listen, my daughter has ADHD. Uh, They made me, I guess they made me take a test. Um, And then they gave me some Adderall. Cool. Do you remember if you liked how you felt on it when you were a wee thing? It sucked. It really, really sucked. Adderall was, like, one of... I just think it's really fucked up, basically, to put kids on something that's such a strong medication so early. And at the time, I don't think that they really knew any better. Like, I think they were still really, like, trying to figure it out. Like, the diagnosis was, like, on the rise. It was increasing. But they didn't, like, there was no alternative. And I think in hindsight, they should have tried to go through, like, therapy or, like, 
behaviors that could be taught to me to, right. to, instead of just like automatically going to what's like really a heavy medication. Yeah. And if you think about it, getting super interested in something isn't necessarily debilitating. I mean, it can be. But and for me, it was. Yeah. It was totally debilitating. So. I would kind of like that now. To have that feeling. Yeah. I mean, it, that's like the thing about ADHD, right? Is like that there are some parts of it that are really horrible and that like ruin your life and other parts of it that have a lot of positives. Like me reading as a kid with my dyslexia worked really well because like it tr- basically trained my dyslexia out of me and a lot of other kids didn't have that experience. Yeah. So. Do you ever notice it still? Like you confuse numbers and stuff? Asking for a friend. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, actually, numbers are the thing that are the worst for me now Mm -hmm. for dyslexia. Because reading, like, basically took care of itself. Thank God my mom was a first grade teacher. Again, shout out to Jerry, MVP. But now, like, I read numbers sometimes. Like, it'll be, like, 285. And I'll be, like, 852. Yeah. But then I'll still, like, write it down in the correct order. It's just, like, I scramble it in my brain. Yeah. I make I meaning know. in the way I want to make meaning from words <laughs> and numbers. Yeah. Um, so after you got first diagnosed, you were seven? Or I what? was, I think they, they, my mom probably had diagnosed me herself before then, but they prescribed me Adderall for the first time at 11. In oh, 11. Grade. Okay. Yeah. So you knew yourself a little bit. I don't think I knew myself at all. Maybe not. Yeah. What and am my I dad about? had just died the year before that. So I... I don't think I was, like, in any kind of real, like, self-reflective place in my life. I don't think that happened for a long time afterwards. Mm-hmm. But it was really hard to be on amphetamines in puberty. Yeah. Really, really, really hard. Yeah, Adderall, for those who don't know, the actual name is amphetamine salts, the generic. And, um, yeah, that's what it is. It's speed for children. Yeah, it's just microdosing speed. Um, and it sucked. Like, I remember days... Of, like, wanting to eat and not being able to eat. Like, physically not being able to eat. Of just, like, staring at food in the cafeteria and being so hungry and just, like, wanting to eat so bad and just, like, not being able to have food because it was just, like, a disgusting thing. Prospect. Yeah. And I don't think that pediatricians or psychiatrists, like, care enough about ADHD to, like, actually be studying these things. Because every time I've ever talked to a psychiatrist about this... Of like, did you, do you have any idea what this does to kids going through puberty? They're like, yeah, it's whatever. It's it's a very trendy diagnosis. It's a very trendy diagnosis. So I have no idea about anything about big pharma, but it's kind of suspect that allegedly ninety percent of prescriptions for stimulant medications like Adderall are in the United States. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy because they prescribe it to everybody but then like they don't actually care enough about it to pay attention to you so I feel like my whole life I've just been speaking to uh, psychiatrists who then like actually are not listening to me at all it's always been really shitty like they're just happy to like give it away like candy uh you did say that there was a point in your youth where you were like I'm not taking this anymore yeah and that came your senior year of high school yeah so I had I took Adderall through middle school sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And then as a freshman, they switched me to Concerta. I took Concerta for, I guess, three years. And then my senior year of high school, I was like, fuck it. This sucks. I hate being on this medicine. Um, I'm going to not, I'm not going to take it anymore. And my mom was like, okay, like you're old enough. Like, let's see how it goes again. MVP Jerry to Mm -hmm. be like, figure it out. Like, let's monitor it. 
Um, and it went really badly. It went really, really badly. You got fat. I got fat because it was the first time in my life that I had had an appetite. Like, that's fucking insane to be, like, 17 years old and it's the first time I'd ever been hungry is, like, that's wild. That's enough to go back on it. Dude, I lost, like, 20 pounds when I got to college because I started taking it again. Well, I mean, it probably did wonders for your self-esteem. Yeah, it did, because I didn't actually realize how much weight I'd gained until I got to college, and everyone was like, I'm gaining so much weight, and I was like, I am not. Did Jerry tell you to go back on after she saw how much weight you gained? No, it was more like once I got accepted and, like, college became something that was about to happen, it was, for me, like, pretty obvious that, like, it was not going to happen if I if I didn't get back on amphetamines. So it was your own decision. Yeah, it was, like, after I had gone through my senior year of, like, failing classes for the first time and just, like, being all over the place, I was like, okay, so I understand. You Met. still made it. You got into Texas A&M. I did. Yeah. Somehow. But as soon as I got to college, I got on Vyvanse. And I took Vyvanse for, like, seven years or so after that. Right? Four years. Yeah, probably six or seven years. And did you sleep while you were on Vivan? <laughs> You'll sleep when you're dead. What is sleep, Lisa? I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't sleep. I did not ever sleep. And did that detrimentally affect you? Yeah, it was like, it felt like shit all the time. I would like wake up in the morning and be super groggy. And uh, one of the things about ADD or ADHD in general is that uh, they've like done studies that's like people who are already ADHD don't sleep and have a really hard time sleeping and then like once they do fall asleep uh, like can sleep forever and that's how it was for me like I could once I fell asleep I could sleep for like you know 12 hours I could sleep for 6 hours I could sleep for 20 whatever yeah. and I would wake up feeling groggy Every single time. Like, there was no amount of sleep that was the correct amount of sleep. It probably was because your body was recovering from yeah. being on amphetamines. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's fast forward to now. What made you decide to switch from uh, amphetamine-based medications to Wellbutrin? And, by the way, Liasa started taking Wellbutrin in the last two months, right when COVID ramped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she's been, she's had an interesting experience. It's been a real shit show. Yeah, it has. Why, why did you decide to start Wellbut? So I wanted to get, I really, really, really wanted to get off of amphetamines. And I'd been thinking about it for a long time because like there's no end game with amphetamines. And as you build a tolerance to this medicine, like the only thing they do is just increase it. And it just seemed batshit crazy to me that like that was the only answer. It's like I would go to the psychiatrist and be like, you know, my, these are the things that are happening. My focus isn't as good that my, my come down is really bad. You know, all of these like classic side effects mm -hmm. and they'd be like, well, you know, you're probably just, your tolerance is too high again, you know, like let's bump you up. And that's just fucking not any kind of real medication management. Like that's not a plan. Yeah. And, and I never, ever felt like anybody took me seriously about like, the side effects are just, like, how insane it is to just be taking, like, 100 milligrams of, of amphetamines, like, every single day. Well, listeners, 100 milligrams of Vyvanse is different from 100 grams of Adderall. It's different from 100 grams yeah. of Concerta. But while 100, grams, 100 milligrams of Vyvanse sounds like a lot, it's not 
That's it's crazy. a lot. It is a lot, but it's not as crazy as taking 100 milligrams of just pure Adderall. Um, it's a lot. I've only ever met two other people that have been prescribed, like, actually 100 milligrams of Vyvanse. Yeah. I guess that those high doses, you concentrate in a hyper way, right? But but those are, like, the extremes of the dosage because, like, they start you off with, like, 25 milligrams, Mm -hmm. and that's, like, the start for most people. And I think with Vyvanse now, they even, like, have a 10 milligram. Yeah, they have 10, 20, 30, 40. it's, like, a big... 100 milligrams is a shit ton of Vyvanse. Yeah. The actual capsule... Yeah, they... It only goes up to 70. Yeah. So you were taking two fifties. Yeah. Which is insane. And there's, like, you get, like, heart murmurs, or, and your heart just, like, beats super fast all the time, and you, like, just sweat constantly, and, like, all of these things are just, like, well, yeah, you know, that's the side effects. <laughs> so, yeah, your side effects were not eating, not really sleeping that yeah. much, heart murmurs... <laughs> NBD. NBD. I don't um, know if they're like murmurs, but it feels like, like it. Yeah, your heart is palpitating. Yeah, all the time. Um, okay, so let's go back to Wellbutrin. What was the conversation with your psychiatrist like about getting on Wellbutrin? So we got when I moved to DC three years ago, um, I rapidly developed SADS mm. because we were living in this like shitty, god awful basement. You remember this oh, basement? I it was a dungeon. Those people should go to jail. They ripped you off, dude. They ripped us off so bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and like we didn't even control our thermostat. Remember? You didn't control really anything. No, we had no control. <laughs> I would be really depressed if I first moved here and lived in that, sh- like, yeah. Do you remember the first time you walked into that apartment and, like, the first thing you said was, I don't think this is legal? It's not legal. Like, it was not legal. Were, like, super low. Very low, yeah. It was, it was depressing, yeah. It and, was bad. And that's an adjustment to move somewhere new and... Yeah, and also with, like, a f- potential winter where Texas doesn't have real winters... And to come here and have, like, no light and a shitty apartment and a job I didn't want to be in. Yeah, it sucked. Shout out to Israel. Shout out. Uh, You're going to have to edit that out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. You, you've you adjusted now, right? Yeah. So, I, I kind of, like, started taking tabs, right? So, I had been off medication for a year because we'd taken a year off. And so, I was like, this seems like as good a time as any to, like, kind of see what's up check in with myself like can I make it without medication the short and long answer of that was no (laughs) well you can if it's something that doesn't require like a nine-to-five job but sometimes yes and sometimes no because when we were hiking the PCT they took a year off yeah Yeah. so when we were hiking it didn't matter because like you're so stimulated all the time but then there's also not really consequences to stuff so the fact that you're like zoning out it works in your favor because then you're just like hiking for nine hours a day or like being super focused also works in your favor. So like all of these things about ADHD that are really horrible, like in the real world, like there's no bad effect to it when Mm -hmm. you're just hiking and eating and shitting in the woods, you know? Did Rusty, your partner and your current COVID partner, Mm -hmm. did he notice that you were off meds? During the PCT hike? So I think during the PCT, no. But then when we did the second half of our year and we were backpacking in Asia, for sure. Because he wanted to fucking murder me all the time. What were you doing? Because I, like, couldn't... I couldn't make a decision about anything. So I was, like, relying on him to, like, plan out our days, 
to make it to make decisions about the smallest thing where I was just like in la la land like let's do this thing like let's do that thing like I wanted to go do that and then but there was like no logical plan yeah I think ADD creates this sense of like you have a lot of ideas but you can't follow through or stick with any of them yeah and I think at that point like my mental fog like kind of started coming back because like hiking really like you're just like doing so much physical activity that we were in Asia like all those things like started coming back of like the mental fog which is just so shitty Mm -hmm. you know like not sleeping just like gaining weight all of that stuff and I think it was really really hard for him for me to be that bad of a travel partner because like every time we'd ever traveled before that like it would be fine you were met it up yeah so we got back First thing I did was get a prescription. That was, like, the first thing I did. I think I was on Vyvanse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I came back. I got Vyvanse really non-legitimately. Mm-hmm. And my psychiatrist in Texas got really upset because I basically just, like, scheduled a medication management visit, like, after not having oh. gotten a prescription for, like, four years from my childhood. So, Because it was cheaper? Because I didn't have a doctor in Houston anymore, so I was, like, the only other psychiatrist I know is in Austin. And they were like, um, this is, like, not legal, but they already, like, they'd already scheduled it. Yeah. So they gave me the prescription, and then were like, you can't come here again unless you, like, start over as a patient. And I was like, NBD... I don't live here. <laughs> so you you had like a month's prescription. And yeah, you came I had to like DC. a month's prescription. Came to DC, got health insurance. Went to the doctor, got a new psychiatrist. It was like I'm on Vyvanse. He was like okay. Went to check out at the pharmacy, and they were like, it'll be five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, Vyvanse doesn't have a generic. Doesn't have a generic. Who is that guy from Home Improvement? Tim Allen. No, well, yeah. The wrong show on TLC where where he would like him and Paige this woman Ty named, Ty Ty from TLC <laughs> Ty was the, the spokesperson for Vivance he was, for he was, was hot super hot back then but he was the spokesperson for both Vivance and ADHD I did not know that mm-hmm. Ty Pennington that's Ty his name Ty Pennington good memory I loved that show yeah oh uh, that's shout out sweet. to Ty Pennington uh, for shout being out hot to trading spaces. Trading Spaces is really good, but all their furniture was, was so janky. Trash. Yeah. Um, okay, so you came back to D.C. You started at the embassy, mm-hmm. and uh, you were like, I can't do this. So I got my Concerta prescription because that was, like, the only generic that was supported by my health insurance. But that took a while. I remember you being like, I'm going to try work without anything. Like, your Vyvanse ran out, and then you were like, I'm going to try a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. And then you yeah, went yeah, on the Concerta. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, God, it, I'm so much more interested in what I'm doing, or it's, yeah. like, so much more tolerable. Yeah, it was like I could actually do work. Yeah. yeah. Um, I forgot about that. That's true. That did, obviously, every time in my life I've tried to go off of medicine, it's just, like, ended up poorly, which is... Well, I don't know if that's true. You did the PCT and you were fine. That's true, but that's like a very specific activity. But still, you you can do it. I don't think you're incapable of doing it. Let's let's be honest. I'm trying to pet myself up for ever having to do that. I know. You always try and have this conversation <laughs> with me, but the PCT is like such an isolated thing. I was like literally working out for nine hours a day. I love that. Like I there's do it. No, like there's no room. Like it just doesn't matter. 
And I think, and there were a lot of people I knew on trail who were still taking like their regular medications, still taking like antidepressants, anti-anxiety. That's crazy to me. Yeah. It's like a good time for a drug holiday. Okay. Anyway. We're pivoting hardcore. So after a year and a half of being on Concerta, you decided that you wanted to try Wellbutrin. No, I've been on Concerta for like three years now. The whole time we've been in D.C. Oh, you've been in D.C. for three years? Yeah, in June, three years. Oh my god. I know. That's a long time. we got to celebrate in June. I know. It'll be three years. Okay. Accident. She's been, I mean, mistake. She's been on Concerta for three years, but... For the last two and a half months, she's been on Wellbutrin. Yeah. And how did that conversation go with your psychiatrist? So after we'd moved into that basement and I started feeling depressed, I started tracking my depression. And it felt to me like it was just, like, getting worse and worse. And that, like, you know, we, like, moved into a new apartment. And I thought, okay, well, it was just, like, sads. It was just the situation we were in. And then another winter came and then nothing got better. And then, like, I just did never get better. So I went to the psychiatrist. I was doing, like, my normal spiel about how um, I didn't like my medicine, like, didn't like being on it. And I said, like, you know, and I also have just been feeling really depressed. And I watched him, like, physically sit up in his chair and, like, turn to, like, pivot to me and was, like, depression? And I, like, wanted his to ears punch. perked up. I, like, wanted to punch this man in the face. He was waiting for you to say depression. I was, like, have, have you just been, like, not listening to any time I've ever been here? Like, you're my doctor. It's so annoying. <laughs> That's what you get for having an HMO. I know. I love my HMO. She does. I do love my HMO. Anyway, he was, like, okay, so should we start thinking about being on an antidepressant? And I was, like, no, because everyone that I had known had been on, who had been on SSRIs was like, just like really abusing them and SSRIs just like passing shit around. Like in Houston, I had like a weird friend group or just like drugs were just like getting passed to everybody. I want to know how to abuse SSRIs. Yeah. Well, apparently it's possible. That's cool. Is it? I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. It's not, not cool, I guess. I've just never heard of it, but I want to know what that's like. I can put you in touch with some people. Get me in touch with them. Okay. Wow. They'd be really good for this episode. Well, for another episode. For, for another episode. Happy. Yeah. So I was really I was really not thrilled about the prospect of being on an antidepressant. And what's so stigmatizing about being on an antidepressant? I don't think it's like the stigma itself, it's just that the people I had known that were prescribed antidepressants were, like, a, mess. were a mess. And were like really just like abusing all kinds of different shit. And so for me, I guess that's probably more what it was. It's not that they were abusing antidepressants. It's that they were abusing other pills. Uh, and I so was going to say. And yeah. so the combination was just, like, not appealing to me at all. Mm-hmm. And so I resisted antidepressants for probably a year. And then I finally was like, I don't know, like, why I'm being so, like, I don't know why I'm resisting this so much. Like, that just seems silly. Like, I am depressed. I do have ADHD. If he's telling me that there's, like, an alternative, like, why am I not just, like, trusting this dude? Mm-hmm. And so, So, here we he were. was like, here's Wellbutrin, but he didn't say here's Wellbutrin. He was said, here's a drug test. Oh, yeah. Tell That's me about right. that. That's right. I've never heard of anything I like I went this. to do, like, a regular follow-up because my prescription was about to expire. This is pre-Wellbutrin. Yeah. My concerta prescription was about to expire, and for controlled substances, they make you go in at least, like, once a year 
to do like an office visit to give you a new prescription. And then you theoretically, I guess it depends on the psychiatrist. Like don't actually have to go into the office like all the time. So I guess it was my yearly visit with him in person. And he was like, oh, by the way, I need you to go up to the fifth floor and take a drug test. Could you do that for me right now? And I was like, fuck no. Won't pass. Not going to pass that. (laughs) He was like, okay, well, I can't give you this prescription for your Concerta until you pass a drug test. It's a new policy, part of, like, Kaiser trying to crack down on opiate use and all this shit. I'll give you 90 days to pass this drug test, which was um, really awful. It was really bad. But that's for the Concerta, but did he prescribe you the Wellbutrin? No, this was, like, pre, pre-Wellbutrin. So he went in, he told me I had to pass a drug test for my Concerta, because it was a controlled substance. Mm-hmm. We went on a vacation. I, like, took copious notes on vacation about how I was, like, not in a work environment. And came back, was like, these are my notes. Like, everything was shitty. Here's all the things that, like, I didn't, I didn't pay attention to, like, outside of work until now. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, kind of then that I was like, okay, I've been tracking how I am at work. Now I finally tracked how I am outside of work on this. And I don't like myself... And any of these is situations. So, like, let's do it. Let's switch. And he was like, great. Actually, we don't need to drug test you for Wellbutrin because it's not a controlled substance. That's crazy. It was crazy. I hate everything about that story. I do, too, because, like, can you imagine if someone just, like, had something it that they It puts need- you on the spot. It makes you feel like a drug addict. It's just not a Yeah, good. and also, like, what if it had been a controlled substance that was, like for something like life threatening or I don't know and they were right. just like just kidding your prescription isn't valid anymore right it's a big deal to just like pull from somebody so he prescribed me the butte at first I was like I've had a couple of other friends take the butte I've heard that it gives people really bad anxiety and he was like yeah I can do that and I said okay I'm not that worried about it I'm like not an anxious person um no big deal we, like, talked about some other side effects. I was like, let's do it. I'm ready. And so the original plan was that I was going to take half of the prescription for two weeks, and at the end of the two weeks, like, go up to the full prescription, which would be 300 milligrams. Okay, so you started on 150. Started on 150. Extended release. Extended release. And this was the first week of COVID. <laughs> we went to see 1917. I remember. David Gold was still coming out. He was still coming out. He got mad at us because he said that we always hate the movies that he likes. We, yeah. I hate most movies. I'm a movie hater. You are. I like a movie that is better than that. Yes. I mean, I love watching movies, but I hate on everything. That's like part of the movie experience. Yes. Well, nobody was in the movie theater. Nobody. We got to discuss Lisa's onboarding experience Mm -hmm. there. And I was like, everything's going great. I've been feeling positive. Um, that was kind of bullshit because I'd been feeling like really lethargic and was like tired a lot. Oh, you were lying to me? I mean, I wasn't being fully truthful. Okay. I was feeling good. Like I remember you were like, you're being more engaging. And I think that that was true at that point where I was like feeling confident, feeling chatty, but I was really tired a lot and... I, like, kept a notebook, and in, all, in my notebook for the first week, it's all just, like, was really tired. Ate two breakfasts. Ate two breakfasts. Yeah, <laughs> I was, like, the first three days of being really diligent and was, like, fuck this. 
But that was only for... That was, like, the first week or so. Yeah. The next week was the week that Tom Hanks got COVID, and everything started, like, going to shit, and then I got, like, punched in the dick with anxiety. Yes, tell us about that. Like, I got the worst, most insane anxiety I've ever experienced, because I, like, don't have anxiety in my life. You know this? not anxious person. I'll attest to that, but she had a mean case of hypochondria. I had a mean, mean case of hypochondria. So in my notebook that I had been keep writing down, like how I was doing with the Butrin, <laughs> I like retroactively went in and was like writing down my symptoms of like, had a cough today started at 2.52 PM. Like to prove to everybody that you were suffering from COVID. To prove to everybody that I had a case for COVID. Yeah. Um, this accumulated in a, what I think is probably a panic attack that ended, landed me in the ER and, oy, oy, oy. and the ambulance, Amber lamps. the ambulance had to wee woo, wee woo, wee woo, to the hospital and they in took me into the hospital. They were like, they did like a chest x-ray and shit and we're like, we're going to release you. We don't think that you have the COVID. But to be sure, to be safe, like, you should just operate like you do and just, like, do a full quarantine for two weeks. And I was like, great, okay. It was like a light switch. As soon as they were like, just do a full quarantine, I like, something released, and I was like, and I'm fine. Uh, she was very convincing about having COVID. You, I don't know, I just believed that you had it. Because I'm not, this is not how I am about stuff. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're anxiety. I'm not a hypochondriac. Yeah. I'm not a hypochondriac. I, like, don't have anxiety. I'm, like, pretty logical, I think, most of the time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So, it was really insane, and um, I feel really bad for everybody that has, like, anxiety disorder and actually, like, have panic attacks, because... I thought I was going to die. Like, I was sitting on the couch, couldn't breathe. They, like, rushed in and gave me oxygen and gave me, like, an EKG and stuff. Yeah, it was horrible. It Did was... Rusty go with you? Rusty went with me. And I was freaking out. I was, like, crying in the ambulance. And then they got there and they had, like, a separate ward for people that were potential COVID um, patients, maybe. Yeah. Um, and so they, and so Rusty like wasn't allowed into the hospital. Like they took him into like the ER and then basically were like, you gotta say your goodbyes. And I was just like full, fully crying. Like, it was like, this is the last time I'm ever going to see Rusty. Like, I'm going to go in. They're going to be like, you have COVID. You gotta be on a ventilator. Like I was like, this is it. That's so scary. Did it occur to you that it could be the Wellbutrin? Yes. It did. For sure. While you were there? While, like, the whole time I had been writing down my symptoms, I I had been reading, you know, like, the Wellbutrin side effects. Because part of me knew, like, that this was crazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, and I, and I knew that anxiety was one of the side effects. So, I was like, is it my allergies? Is it the Wellbutrin? Is it COVID? Because there was, like, a number of symptoms that overlapped for all three of these things. I mean, you were introducing something totally new into your brain during a time when the world is so crazy. Yeah. And just the timing of it was really, really bad. Because I think if I had started it now, like, it wouldn't necessarily... I wouldn't have necessarily had that reaction. But it was, like, right when the U.S. was like, oh, fuck! Yeah. (laughs) A pandemic! So... Well, now that you've had some time... To have it stabilize in your system, how do you feel? 
I feel a lot better. Like, I don't think I have really anxiety at all. I do feel, like, low-simmering rage a lot, but I think that's just the COVID. Mm. I don't think that that's the butte. Or maybe you're more aware of the low-simmering rage. Maybe it's always been there. I do tend to have kind of a low-simmering rage you constantly. You, you have rage a little bit. Yeah. I'm but a little I love angsty. it, too. I'm, all, I'm, like, perpetually angsty. It... It's becoming on you. Oh, thanks. On some people, it's not. I'm, like, on a soapbox a lot. Yeah, you are. Yeah. At least you know it. Yeah. Okay, physical side effects. How are your poops? Oh, my God, my poops totally changed. It was, that's, like, the number one physical side effect I had is as soon as I started taking the butte, my poops, like, did a 180. It's been wild. So I went from having... Give us the Bristol stool chart report. Um, let's pull it up. Because okay. I want to, I don't remember what my um, amphetamine poops were. Okay. So, for those who don't know, the Bristol stool chart is a medical grade chart that uh, classifies stool from hard and dry to diarrhea. And I will pull it up for Lisa to tell okay. us what her poops have been like. Okay. I would say that my amphetamine poops were, like, a little always, like, soft serve ice cream, which I guess I would say is a two. No. It's like a four. Like a sausage or snake, smooth and soft. But a four is, like, the ideal poop, and these were, like, not the ideal poop. On amphetamines. Amphetamines? Okay. Well, what's it like now? How has it changed? Now, so at first I was really constipated. Mm -hmm. Like, super constipated. And not in, like... An amphetamine way because on amphetamines I would like poop regularly during the week but on the weekend when I wasn't taking my medicine I would just not poop you remember this like, I do remember and if I would be like on a trip or something on a vacation and not taking it I would just like not poop for like six or seven days at a time and then just I remember because you were on my level on the weekend yeah I was on your level I loved asking you about it I know and so then when I got on the butte the first like week I was just like hard, it was just like hard as a rock. It was wild. It was so different than all my poops in the past. And how are they coming out? They were like painfully hard. Are they still like that? No, it's gotten better. Okay. But remember at the beginning I like texted you and was like I just had the worst poop of my life. It was a bowling ball. It was like when a bear gets out of hibernation. <laughs> and how long did it take to pass? I think I sat there for like 30 minutes. Boy. It was so bad. It was uh, so bad. They've gotten better since then. Now I poop, like, pretty regularly every morning. Today I had, like, a number four poop. It was a great poop. It sounds like your body has stabilized in general. Like, you are yeah, sleeping so better too. and longer. I'm sleeping, like, regularly like a regular person, presumably. I, like, my poops are okay. Like Sex drive? I have a sex drive. That's been great. Because I don't think I'd really realized, like, how low my sex drive had been until... I was on something else. I wonder if the amphetamines just made, like, just you spent all your energy doing something else yeah. and then you were too drained for sex. Yeah. I just wonder in general, like, kind of, like, I felt like kind of just, like, numb on amphetamines. That's what I always would tell my, my therapist. It's like, I just feel numb. Like, I don't feel anything. It's like, I'm foggy all the time and I don't have feelings about stuff. Did you cry? No. Never. Never. But you had rage. Yeah, but I do just... I do really have perpetual rage. Okay. Well, they say... (laughs) 
They say rage is sadness turned outward. We gotta get to the sadness. We'll get there later on a, on a future episode. Yeah. That's true. I think that that's true as my rage comes from sadness. Unless it comes from frustration that everyone's so shitty. Yeah. But they aren't how you wish that they could be. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. Hey, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been okay. But the interesting thing is that after my um, incident at the hospital where beforehand I had like crazy emailed like all of my doctors that was like, oh my God, I think they have the COVID, but like maybe it's a Wellbutrin side effect and I just like don't know what to do. And then none of my doctors responded fast enough. So I sent like more emails. So after I got discharged from the hospital, I sent my psychiatrist another email and was like, hey man, I'm so sorry. (laughs) And he was like, it's not a big deal. I'm glad you're feeling better. Don't increase your dosage yet so I'm still taking just half the dose and then at the six week point which was supposed to be just like the general evaluation um he was like still don't increase like you'll keep taking half of the dosage for like at least six months how is your energy level at this 150 dosage it's fine but I am feeling like the longer I'm on it like the more I'm kind of like ready to increase it so like I felt really good on it for the last like month because that first two weeks was brutal and then it's been like gotten better and now I feel like I've plateaued a little bit on it Mm -hmm. um, where like my focus isn't as good because it was actually helping me focus and it was helping my ADD I think a lot that's interesting so I wonder if for ADHD you might just have to like increase dosages of whatever you take you know because it's less it's it's a more uh, specific problem than depression. Depression is kind of just like, I don't know, a veil over your whole life always. Yeah. Unless you have sad, which is only in the winter, but... Yeah. The depression thing is interesting because I, I've always kind of wondered, like, if I was depressed before I started paying attention to it, you know? Like, I've had a lot of trauma in my life. Mm-hmm. I have, like, a lot of death that looms over my life. So I've always kind of wondered, like, maybe I just wasn't paying attention to it because I was so fucking methed out. Yeah. You know? Or, or you were, like, young. Or I was young yeah. and not paying attention to it, but it's an interesting thought. I've been thinking about about that more and more. But I do feel like with the Wellbutrin, like, I'm able to delegate tasks to myself better. Like, I'm not procrastinating stuff as much as I used to, which is... Um, like a classic ADHD behavior mm-hmm. is like awful time management and an executive functioning, right? Do you show up to places on time? Yeah, I'm trying to. But also I feel like I'm better now at being like, this is a task that I don't want to do, but I'm going to do it so that way it's done. Mm-hmm. Where in the past I was never able to do that. I would always just be like, it's about to be due. It's like the deadline's about to happen. That's what motivated you. Yeah, because I do all my best like best thinking like in that time period. So interesting. I'm the exact opposite. Yeah. And I did like, some reading about it, and it turns out that that's like a classic ADHD, ADHD symptom, which I just like didn't realize, is that it's like... It's not that you want to be procrastinating. It's just that, like, you don't have a sense of time to actually plan out, like, this is when I should be doing things. Yeah. 
So yeah. I feel like that's gotten like better. you have no internal clock. Yeah, I have no internal clock, yeah. and then no way of knowing like actually this is the task that I should be prioritizing versus this other task. So, like at work or at home, I would do a task that was like essentially meaningless, but then like devote all of my attention to it for like hours, and then at the end of it, be like, oh, that was actually a total waste. It of was my a time. distraction. It was task. A, yeah. yeah. But I love doing that. Sometimes it feels really, really good. It feels really good. Yeah. But in a work environment, it was really detrimental because I would just be a perfectionist about something that like ultimately didn't like didn't need matter. to be yeah. perfect. Yeah. I know that. So I do feel like, I just feel overall like a little bit more balanced, I guess. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. So would you recommend Wellbutrin? I think so far, yeah. Like... I mean, for me, it feels like it's been working, but it's also kind of, like, it's still early on. It seems not... like a miracle drug. Like, it's prescribed for a lot of different things. Yeah. Smoking cessation, weight loss. Yeah. Just, like, low-level angst. Yeah. ADD. And it doesn't have as many side effects as SSRIs, allegedly, except yeah. for panics sometimes. Yeah. And apparently for people with epilepsy. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think ADD meds are also dangerous for people with epilepsy. I don't know. They never asked me about it. And when he prescribed me the Wellbutrin, he like specifically was like, do you have a history of seizures? Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then I told him, I said, oh, well, I had a seizure like in seventh grade. And he was like, tell me more about it and got like really concerned. And then I like explained to him that it was like a one-off thing, blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, okay, it's fine. So... I don't know. I'm really curious to see, like, how the trends continue, you know? Yeah. I don't have anything to weigh it against. Like, the only medicines I've ever taken have been amphetamines, so it's hard to say. I'm curious to know. Let me know if you add anything else into your repertoire. I want to have you back on. Okay. We'll have to do a follow-up, like, once I've been taking the full dosage. Yeah. So but you, do you plan on going back and asking for a one-up, like... Well, it's just, like, they're only prescribed in 150 milligrams anyway so it was just that I was going to increase to two pills so, so you're you are going to ask for that though yeah I think I, I think I'll give it like another month or so because I am also curious like I'm paying I'm paying a lot more attention to my own stuff now where I wasn't doing that before meditation are you meditating I'm I try and meditate at the end of yoga People take their savasana. I just try and meditate then. Are you exercising in COVID times? Kind of. I'm doing yoga like three times a week maybe. That's good. But Rusty's like passive aggressively every day. It's like, did you go outside today? Why? Because <laughs> he's running every day. So now he's like oh. projecting onto me. We, our roles have reversed fit. a yeah, little bit. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a nice Usually change. Usually Elias is the passive-aggressive one. I know. It's the well-butte. It's the well-butte. Maybe. Yeah. I did ask Rusty, like, how I am, you know, or if he, what he's noticed, and he's really hard to talk to about it because he just keeps being like, well, I haven't seen you on it outside of a COVID situation. Maybe he doesn't want to see you. <laughs> I think you would love to like not see me for a while. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder like how long his jobs are and if he's just like sitting in his car, like being like, I can get another hour out I of can't solitude. Go home. <laughs> can't go home to my lazy wife. 
Just kidding. Um, how, how do you think it's been? Like, what have you noticed? I honestly haven't noticed a lot of a difference, but I have seen you off meds, off of Vyvanse or Concerta mm-hmm. or whatever you were taking, and I noticed that you have, like, floods of ideas and can't stick to any of them. Like, I remember cooking at David Forsey's St. Michael <laughs> house, and you were, like, picking up ingredients and, like, putting them down. And, and then, like, like, immediately being like, wait, I need to do that. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I was like, wow, this girl probably does have ADD. Like, I've never seen it in action. Yeah. Of but being like, I'm going to chop garlic, but actually, there was a thing I was going to do before that. Yeah. And then be like, wait, I was chopping garlic. Wait, did I finish that other thing? No. Wait, I'm still shopping garlic. Yeah, that's true. But it's a fun way to be. Like, sometimes it's fun to be kind of all yeah. over the place. Do you know, I was in middle school when I was, like, in the doldrums of Adderall. There would be days where there would be, like, an activity or something at school, like a field trip or whatever it was, where I would just, like, not take my medicine, so I would be fun. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, I've been I've said this to you before, how a lot of people I know take... Vyvanse or Adderall for their side effects. Yeah, for sure. And how you would want to take drug vacations. You didn't take them for their side effects. You took them for their intended purpose. So I commend you for that. And I'm also glad I met you in Corpus Christi. Me too. Shout out to the the new SC's Lofts. That was on People's Street, 718 Mm -hmm. People's Street. Mm -hmm. What's up? Mm -hmm. Historic Uh, building randomly. We will we'll dedicate any proceeds from this podcast to Corpus Christi's revival. And the Greyhound Station. The Greyhound Station <laughs> needed a facelift. All of it needed a facelift. Honestly, but, Corpus could really use some love. But I needed to see how the other half lived. Yeah. 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 Poor Corpus. Such a weird divide of money there, too. Yes. Really, really rich oil people. And then, and like, then... just super poor brown people. Yes, like not even Latino anymore. They were like an offshoot. They're just Texans, you know? They just have been there forever. But they were closer to the border. I feel like they had... Corpus is closer to the border than... It's right near Brownsville. No. No? Mm Mm-mm. Not close to Brownsville. Not close to Brownsville. (laughs) How far from Brownsville? Like a while. Oh. I would say like multiple hours. Well, Brownsville is the closest thing I remember. Okay. Okay, well, I'll give you that. Uh, Yeah, anyways, it was like an anthropological experience for me, and I'm glad I got to do it. I worked at Ann Taylor Loft selling credit cards. That's true. You went to substitute teach without a bra on. I did. I got it. badly. I was called into the principal's office, who was a very Christian, blonde woman, beautiful, and she said, we can't have you here without a bra. Was her name like Nancy or something? Probably. Yeah, Probably. I believe that. But pivot back to pillontology. They give out prescriptions like candy. Everywhere does, yeah. Like one time in college, I had really bad vertigo, and I didn't know what was happening. I'd like never had vertigo before. Went to our clinic, and they gave me a prescription for vertigo. Turns out, I was just hungover and really dehydrated. Huh. And they just were like, here is a medication for your vertigo. <laughs> Instead of being like, you should hydrate and like just sleep for me a it's little bit. It's very America. Yeah. It's very America. It's also a relief to be off of the amphetamines in the sense that like if I was to ever move abroad, which is a thing I'd like yeah. to do, that like, knowing that like that's not a medicine I could get. 
Yeah, I think about that. I remember when I was in Russia for study abroad, I couldn't find it anywhere. So, there yeah. are a whole country. They had Stratera, though. They had, mm. like, the not really aggressive amphetamines. Yeah. They have whole countries where they're just, like, straight up not legal. And that's always been alarming to me. Well, if you go to Thailand, you'll be fine. That's true. Yeah. That's true. There's other countries where you, they're not legal, but you can still get them over the counter. Like, yeah. also India. You ever go to India? Yeah. But, I don't know. Amphetamines are a hard... Are hard. They're they just, are like, hard. are a scary... Anyway, they've always been scary to me. They've been packaged and rebranded all throughout American history. Like, yeah. I feel like they're the drug that housewives take. Yeah, totally. And it's also funny because when I switched to the Wellbutrin, my mom was, like, really concerned about it. And she, like, want, she was keeping tabs on me. Like, how was I feeling? How was I doing? How are my side effects? And at one point I was like, I'm fine, but you realize that this is, like, as equally of a heavy medication as amphetamines are, right? Like, the, the Wellbutrin's not, like, Tylenol. Like, it's still, a, like, a medication for my brain. It's not, but somebody decided that it's better for you yeah. than But it was super interesting to think that, like, my mom had all of these, like, really positive connotations with amphetamines, and then, like, everything else was, like, horrifying and scary. That is really interesting. But yeah. I guess... That was kind of the same for you. You were very anti going on anything that was branded as an antidepressant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, Lias, thank you for coming on Pill and Tall. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. Wow. This was was very interesting, and you are our first guest, so we'll see how it goes. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! Amber Lamps. Hashtag Amber Lamps.